0: So how many of you know that Paul plainly teaches us that we are not to become a byproduct of culture, right? Romans chapter 12, verse two, this is not on the screen, but I was reminded of it as I was studying this, which he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Essentially, that's the apostle Paul teaching us right here. Hey, be in the world, but not be of the world, right? Remember, Paul also said, I become all things to all men so that I might win some, right? And so Paul is teaching us, look, we're supposed to fully engage culture without being fully formed by culture. We're supposed to be transformed by something other than the world. We're supposed to be transformed by another world. You guys with me? Which is God's world, the world of heaven, where the atmosphere of peace and where his reign and his government is one of peace, not of confusion, which is what the culture constantly gives us. And... Um, you know, we're called to be set apart. We mentioned this last week, but at the same time, God commands us to go into all of the world and preach the gospel. And for many Christians today, that can be a very tough balance to engage the world, but not be of the world. It's a it's a very tough assignment at times uh, for us to minister, for us to evangelize, for us to share our faith, because we sit in fear, afraid that somebody might challenge a portion of scripture that we've yet to Study very much of you know what I mean it's like oh look at this look at that well your bible says this what do you believe about that you know and you're like oh man that hasn't been in my devotionals the last 90 days you know and so it's like there's this fear of engaging culture and putting anything out there there's this fear of of presenting and sharing truth because somebody's going to push back and so rather than live for the glory of Jesus we start living in fear for the approval of men you guys with me but if the Legacy Weekend taught us anything is that there's an assignment and an anointing that is resting upon each and every one of our lives as a result of the cross uh, to not only receive faith but to share faith. Amen? Yes. Amen. So we're all called to this. And can't forget the Great Commission is not called the Great Suggestion. Amen. It's not an option. It's a commandment. Amen. <laughs> we're going in deep. 830. Here we go. And we live in such a rapidly changing culture, and so the question is, how do we, how do we respond, and do we respond? And a couple of declarations that I wanted to make over our house, as we studied this uh, Christians and Culture series, four declarations, and I believe they'll be on the screen here. But the first de- declaration is this: We do not fear culture. Just say that. Say, I don't fear culture. It's, it's nothing to be afraid of. The second declaration is this: We are not formed by culture. Say, I'm not formed by culture. But we engage culture. I engage culture, right? And we're not formed by culture, but we form culture. You guys believe that? So the first thing that God ever did was create. So it's actually illegal for a Christian to say they're not creative. Because if the God of the universe lives on the inside of you, and the very first thing that he did at the beginning of human history is to create, then you ought to say about yourself, man, the most creative force in the universe is living on the inside of me. I don't have to struggle for creativity. I just have to tap into what's already there. Yes. Come on. Am, I, am I helping you guys already this morning? We're just going for I'm still full from Legacy Weekend, so... So we're going to be studying uh, the life of Daniel just a little bit, different stories here and there. But one of the things about Daniel you'll notice is that Daniel fully engages in his culture, and yet he's never conforming to his culture. He never becomes religious. He never becomes self-righteous. He never talks down to the people who are different than him. He's not judgmental. He's not defensive. He understood that being right and being righteous was not the same thing. You know, sometimes we mean well but don't love well. You know, we mean well, but we don't love well. And what God is looking for from us as his kids is that we not only mean well, but we also love well. Amen? And so no matter how many times culture shifted in the life of Daniel, Daniel never shifted. He never wavered, but he continued to love everybody around him. And so today, I'm actually going to continue Brian's sermon. Yes. (laughs) By, you know, starting at the beginning of the story. And uh, I want you to open your Bible, Daniel chapter 3, or you can read it from the screen. I'm going to read verse 1 through 7 and uh, speak to you guys from the subject today of, Here, worship this. All right? Here, worship this. This is a cultural offering that culture is constantly presenting to us day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, oftentimes through our smartphones. And it's essentially an invitation to here. Worship this. Yes, with me. Uh, did you hear what? Did you, did you hear the video? I've been leaving Mika voicemails, and he's transcribing them. Here uh, is that we worship what we want the most. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. You worship what you want the most. You worship what you want the most. So Daniel chapter three verse one through seven says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image. Everybody say an image. A lot of images. Floating around in culture today. An image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces to come up to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and, and all of the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded. Notice once more we talked about commandments of Jesus. This is not a suggestion from King Neb. You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. Doesn't that sound very similar to what what is being spoken of God in the book of Revelation? All tribes, every tongue, every nation, all people groups will bring worship and glory to God, right? So, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar is trying to manufacture what Satan has been out for from the beginning, which is worship right? And so he's like, okay, you guys, all you Jewish kids that we've, you know, essentially held here in Babylon in bondage, you're prisoners of war. Yeah, I know that you guys have your own temple where you worship Yahweh, an invisible God, but now I'm going to present to you a visible God. It's an image made of gold, and you are commanded to worship this image. See, it's sort of the enemy at work in the midst of culture, and, and uh, this is obviously through government, and, and there's something happening here where Nebuchadnezzar is commanding that when people hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the, I don't know what a, a, a tr- trigon? It's a triangle. It's a triangle. A harp, a bagpipe, there were Scottish people represented, and every kind of music. You are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound. Everybody say the the sound. Notice I'm asking you to repeat two very important things. Number one is the image. Right? And number two is? The sound, right? And so what we have to watch for and be discerning of and be aware of is that the enemy is all, always offering us, as the kids of God, an alternative to our worship through images yeah. and sounds. Yeah. This could be entertainment. This, this is about media today, okay? Come on. Oh, he guys okay good. with it? <laughs> this is about media today. There's always an alternative that the enemy wants to offer us through culture, always in the form of images and sounds. Wow. And that's essentially what uh Nebuchadnezzar is doing here. And the languages, the nations and the languages, they fell down and they worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, he decided that he would force everyone, he would threaten their life to worship his big golden idol or else they would die, you know. And this story sounds so archaic. It's so outdated. This would never happen today, right? Yeah, the culture is different, but the battle is the same. There is a war over what you worship. A better way of saying it is like this. There is an all-out war over who you worship. Um, how many of you guys were here for, uh, for my dad's message? It was months ago called Satan's Greatest Desire. Uh, uh, Allison and I were out of town. I heard he, like, ran the pews or something. Like, it's the thing. That's my dad, man. I mean, he just gets wild, you know, when he preaches. He gets excited. And he talked, about, he talked about the narrative that the Bible shares with us from Isaiah and Ezekiel about the fall of Satan, right? Are you guys aware Lucifer was an archangel, right? And he was assigned to lead the worship of heaven. In fact, his body itself was made, made up of instruments, it's in, you can go back, you can read Isaiah, uh, you can read Ezekiel, you can learn more about Lucifer. And he, this was his assignment. His role was to offer worship to Yahweh day in and day out, 24-7, 365, for all of eternity. But then he started, to, he started deciding that he wanted to steal the worship for himself. Right, see, the, 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 the culture is different than it was in Babylon, but the battle's the same. See, the enemy still wants worship, and if he can't get your worship, because it's not the easiest thing to get people to bow down to the presence of evil. Yeah. I mean, we've seen different moments in history where this has taken place, but it's quite challenging for Satan to present himself as he is and to get people to worship him. So he knows that. He understands that. So he says, you know what? If I can't get him to worship me, I'll offer them idols. Are you you guys getting anything out of this? If I can't get the worship myself, I'll do everything that I can to distract them from worshiping God. Because if I can't have the worship, then I don't want anybody to have the worship, especially not God. If I can't have the worship, I don't want God getting the worship that I was assigned to give him because I want this worship for myself. So if I can distract them and deflect them from worshiping their God and get them worshiping idols then I will have been successful. And in order to do that, I will craft images of culture that are very appealing and stimulating and entertaining that I can present to them, and I will distract them and dumb them and numb them down so much so that they are actually worshiping an image rather than worshiping God. You guys with me? There's a, there's a lot of folks. I, I meet them. I have coffee with them. I talk to them. Man, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to worship. I don't have time to go to church. Okay, well, how much have you watched Netflix? I mean, Seth talked about it in the offering message, you know? It's like your, 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 your Hulu browsing history has determined that that was a lie you know what I mean there's a little app called screen time gives you a little ping every Sunday morning on the way to church it's so incriminating and convicting isn't it well, I just don't have time to pray well you could be looking at an image rather than looking at God all right there's a sound right there's a sound that's a distraction as well you know okay man let me let me give you a sound let me give you a song you know, there's a soundtrack to every season isn't there Let me put something in your playlist that'll get you distracted from your primary assignment to worship God. Let me entertain you. Let me get you having fun, right? And and all of this stems from uh, one thing, which is that Satan wants to be wanted, and if he can't get the worship for himself, then his goal is to distract us so that God won't get the worship that God deserves, and uh, the enemy knows this, man, even though... Even, even though culture shifted, the idols and idolatry has never really shifted. The same three idols have, have, have been presented by our enemy throughout all of human history. They're the exact same three idols. If you read through the Bible, both in the Old and the New Testament, but primarily in the Old Testament, you'll notice that there are three common idols that are always offered to the people of God for their worship to distract them from God. Those three idols are this. Number one is mammon. Taking notes, it's a great time to write it down. Number two is Baal, and number three is Asherah. Okay, so if you read through the Old Testament, you'll notice there are times whenever the people of God go and then they destroy, Bible says all the Asherah poles. You guys ever read that before? It's a place of idolatry. It's a high place of worship. It's a place of demonic worship, right? And so the people of God have an assignment. They start to destroy Asherah, right? The prophets of Baal, we see uh, Ezekiel have this battle, right? Or, excuse me, Elijah have this battle with the 400 prophets of Baal and the demonic queen Jezebel, right? There's always this thing. And so these idols actually represent a couple of things, mammon being the first one, which is the false god of possessions and greed. Somebody say, hashtag money, (laughs) right? (laughs) And essentially, you know, we know there's nothing wrong with having money, but there is something wrong if you have to check with your money before you worship Jesus. You're right, you you guys get what I'm saying? And so uh, the the slogan of the spirit of mammon is, you need more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't have enough. You better be afraid. You better go get more. You better, you know, you you guys get what I'm saying? And the second one is Baal, and Baal is the false god of power and of pride. And it's all about you. It's all about your achievements. It's all about your sufficiency. You don't need God because you're able to accomplish everything that you want in this life all by yourself. If you would just hustle hard enough, if you'd just grind hard enough, if you just, you guys get what I'm saying? So that's that temptation of Baal because it's the temptation of more power. They get more power. They get more power. And the last one is Asherah, which is the false god of sensual pleasures. And this is where the moral relativism of our culture comes into play that says, if it feels good, just do it. Oh, it's good for you? Good for you. It's good for me? It's good for me. There's no consultation of truth. There's no consultation of Scripture. There's no consultation of God's Word. It's simply, hey, you know, everything goes. Hashtag sex. You know this is this is the false god Asherah, and these three have been around since the beginning. If you go to Genesis, the very beginning of time, in Eden, the serpent told Eve to disobey God and eat the fruit. You guys remember this? And in Genesis three and six, it says, "So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, first first one, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took it and she ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Now look right here. You see that she saw that the tree was good for food. She saw an image that delighted her. She saw that, that, that it was good for food. This is mammon's greed. She then saw it was a delight to the eyes, right? This is Asherah's appeal to pleasure. And then she said, oh, it's appealing to make one wise. This is Baal's promise of self-empowerment. It's right there in the beginning of Genesis. Consider this, uh, Jesus in the wilderness. When Jesus became hungry, he was tempted to turn the stones into bread. This is Asherah's appeal to the desires of the flesh. Right? And then Satan said, well, get up on the temple, throw yourself off. This is Baal's appeal to prove and to show off his power. And then finally, Satan said, hey, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. And this is mammon enticing Jesus to get greedy before his time. You guys with me? Yeah. See, it's the same thing here in the book of Daniel with, you know, King Neb's big statue because he offers up this massive 90-foot tall statue. It's about the size of two and a half telephone poles. And so here's Baal with his power and his pride. Look at this major, massive, huge, dominant, powerful statue that we're going to present, that you're going to bow down to because we're in control of you, wow. Right? And it's also made of gold, pure gold. Two and a half telephone poles made of gold. And so here's 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 mammon, right, with its opulence and its greed. It's like, hey, here's, here's mammon coming into play. And then lastly, something that I really want to hit on just for a moment is that he says, hey, it's time to strike up the band. So this is Asherah coming into play here with appeal to the senses, to the five senses, providing a soundtrack for their worship, this is a little deep, isn't it? <laughs> you know, as I was reading through this this week and I started to think about it, I was like, man, this is very interesting. So, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, his idol relied completely on image and sound, and we don't necessarily have statues today, but we have screens. Screens. Right? And so, and we see everything sort of moving in this direction. The early Christians figured this out. Look at stained glass windows. The, the, the original purpose for stained glass windows was to share the story of the gospel uh, for people who were walking past rather than to entertain the people who were inside. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? And so, we actually have been given the opportunity to preach the same gospel but through a different glass. You see what I'm saying? So this can be a resource. This can be a tool. Social media can be a a resource. It can be a tool. But but the enemy wants to use that resource, that screen, to treat it kind of like a statue in our lives, to get our eyes more focused on that, to get distracted by that, so that we'll leave the worship of our God and we'll start to worship the idols of culture. All the while, numb down enough where we don't recognize that's what we're doing. This is why Paul said, hey, you need to have your senses. Your five senses trained to discern good from evil. Wow. Wow. This is deeper than I anticipated. Wow. Yes. But it's important so that we understand that whenever we feel something, what's the root of what's behind the feeling? Wow. That when I see something, right? That, when I, that when, I, when I smell something, I hear something, all these things are capable of being used by God to destroy the works of the enemy. But at the same time, how many of you guys know the enemy's not an inventor? He's not a creator. He's a counterfeiter, right? He's not a creator. He's an imitator, right? And so he does the exact same thing by trying to capitalize on the gifts of God to us through our physical body to try to distract us from the worship that God has given us to give to him. Right, and so he, so the enemy wants to work through culture in that sense. And uh, he said, so, so Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, uh, when you guys all bow down to worship this image, I'm going to play a, a soundtrack to make your worship more enjoyable. Right, and uh, I don't know about you, but I, I love a good soundtrack. You know, when you watch a movie. You ever watch a movie and you're like, you're like Siri, what is that song? You know what I'm saying? Because you're like, it just in, it enhances the moment, right? You're like, oh, this is making it better. And it, without the music, it wouldn't be good at all. I mean, think about horror films. Like, half of the, the, the scary parts are them just like, the, you know, it's like, oh, it's going to happen, you know? And it's like, see, that's the thing. It's like there's a soundtrack that enhances the experience, right? And that's what Nebuchadnezzar was trying to, trying to uh, enhance here because he understands that music is incredibly powerful. How many of you guys know music can move the soul? Like, we have a genre called soul music, yeah. right? Which is one of the reasons why we can, you can, we can just, you know, uh, Pastor Josh said it this weekend we can do Christian karaoke totally. and just put our most talented people that we know will give us goosebumps on the stage. But without the anointing, without the power, we're not actually going to have a, a sincere transformation in the room. And the enemy understands that. And so, you know, through talent and through giftedness, he said, okay, let us enhance. Uh, you worshiping the wrong thing with the right music, right? God loves to receive worship. He re- he, God loves to receive worship with music. And so because the enemy knows that God wants that for good, he said, oh, let's counterfeit that, right? As great and pure as music can be, it can also manipulate our emotions, which is why you play slow jams on date night. Right? Music and images can move us. Satan knows this, so through culture, he tries hard to get this hijack the soundtrack. Yeah. Right. right? Let me hijack the soundtrack. And the soundtrack, man, don't we all have a soundtrack? We all have a soundtrack. Think about it for a minute. You have a soundtrack for your life, you have a playlist. For your weekend, right? You always, we all have a soundtrack, even if we don't realize. I know for me, before I got saved and I was selling drugs, I had a soundtrack. It was called Young Jeezy. It was rap music. Some of you guys don't even know who what Young Jeezy is. But he talked about selling drugs the whole time. And before I was saved and I wanted to sell drugs, I listened to Young Jeezy because it would motivate me. So I would wake up and I'd put it on because I knew that if I listened to it long enough, I'd get over my tiredness and I'd get out and I'd say, man, I got to hustle. I got to grind. I got to sell these drugs. Yeah. Yep. This is too much. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I was dating my wife, the soundtrack was whatever she liked. It didn't matter what I like. I'm playing Sufion Soup Stevens or whatever. I don't know. She likes that and I don't, but it's like... She likes it, so I'm like, we're listening to it in the car because I know she likes it. And I need her to enjoy her time with me. Right? Now that we're married, we have a new playlist. It's called Silk Sheets. It's on Spotify for your date nights. Um, (laughs) I know it's funny. I knew you'd like that. You know, here's the truth. Uh, We all have a soundtrack for our devotion too, don't we? We have a soundtrack. You have songs that you enjoy. You have songs that you go to. You have songs that you listen to during your prayer time, your devotional time. That may be in the car. That may may be in the morning. And and so the reality is, is that soundtracks, they uphold the story, don't they? That's why they're in movies. They strengthen. They support the moment. They support the season, which is why King Nebuchadnezzar struck up the band is because Satan wants in on your shuffle. Oh, you got all the the worship, but just let me sneak one in here. Just let me sneak a couple in there. And I am very convinced, guys, that if you want to change your life, change your playlist. If you want to change your life, change your playlist. And that goes for music as well as news and media. Whatever expression and form of media, if you're listening to news and the effect of that news is more fear, then you should probably shut it off for a season. If you can't look at it objectively and recognize what God's uh, assignment and what the enemy's assignment is in culture and all the fruit that it's producing is just fear, is just greed, is just power, is just sensual pleasure, then it's time to let it go because you might be enamored by an idol more than you are bringing worship to Jesus. Uh, A pastor friend of mine told me, he said, hey, I don't have a problem with you watching the news. Just pray more than you watch the news so that you can approach the news with the proper perspective. You know, and and re- recognize what's actually going on, and recognize when the enemy's wanting to manipulate you emotionally. You know, a lot of times, um, well, let me let me say it like this: you you don't have to engage because it. It's popular. You don't have to listen to music because it's popular. You don't have to read books because they're popular. You don't have to watch movies because they're popular. Oh, have you seen that new horror film? You know, I don't know about you guys, some of you guys may like horror. I can't stand it. I don't like it. It doesn't fit well for me. I don't like fear and I don't like entertaining it. And that's just my that's my personal opinion. You know, you can pray about it after it if you like. But you know, just because it's popular doesn't make it right. Check with the Lord before you expose your spirit to something that's going to send you in the opposite direction of your purpose, which is to worship. You know, there's there's a value in in checking. Go check IMDb before you go to the movies. Go read Rotten Tomatoes. Like, recognize what am I about to expose my spirit to? Because I don't want anything to come between me and my pursuit of Jesus. Because that's what the enemy wants. Hey, look at culture. Worship culture. Now, that's how you respond to culture. That is how you respond to culture. It's it's not apologetic, but at the same time, it's not dishonorable. It's honest, and it's truth, and it's direct. When Daniel and his friends were offered these idols, what they did was they simply drew a line in the sand, and they say, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. It's like somebody saying, hey, you got to read this book. It's popular. Fifty Shades of Grey. Nope. Nobody wants to say "Amen" about that. I realize You got to watch this show. It's really popular. Nope. I, I'm just draw. I'm just drawing a line in the sand. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm just saying. I'm encouraging you. Draw a line in the sand. Say "Nope." I'm in the world, not of the world. Just because it's popular doesn't mean that it should be blindly accepted. You have a right to challenge it. Paul teaches us to discern the spirits, to examine the fruit. Jesus himself said there's going to be plenty of wolves that are going to come in sheep's clothing. You need to consider what it is that they're producing. What is the byproduct of their lifestyle? Watch who you're following. You don't want to become like those people if they're not producing kingdom fruit. There's people I know that will go to and get marriage advice from people who have cheated on each other for the last two years and are on the brink of divorce. Don't listen to anybody talk about marriage that doesn't have a marriage that you want. It's confusing, you know. It's like, hey, let me go get all of my information. Let me listen to all this guy's podcasts, read all of his books and his blogs, and yet he's not actually pursuing Jesus in the way that I know that I'm designed to. You guys get anything out of this? Somebody say, purify the playlist. (laughs) And just because it's bad doesn't mean that you need to boycott it. Doesn't mean you need to, you know, create, you know, a signature list on Facebook and turn your entire ministry into what you're against rather than the person that you're for. Daniel and his friends, they didn't start leading a rebellion. They didn't even condemn the king. They just said, hey, we're drawing a line in the sand. They didn't, they, didn't, you know, they didn't pick at the temple with signs that said God hates you and you're all going to hell. They just said, hey, we're drawing a line in the sand. Sorry, we can't accept what you've asked us to do. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much power you have. It doesn't matter how much you mock my identity. I choose not to defend myself. I choose to draw a line in the sand and let God do what he wills. there's this line here in Daniel it says uh, if this be so our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand now get this because this is very easily skipped over O king but if not you notice that but if not be it known to you (laughs) O king that we will not serve your gods but if not it's like, even if the Lord doesn't choose to deliver me out of this situation, still not serving your gods. I, I fully trust God is gonna redeem me either on this side or that side of eternity, whether I die today to live as Christ and to die as gain. But if not, no matter how much you assault me, I'm drawing a line in the sand. No matter how much you push back against The truth, I'm drawing a line in the sand. No matter how much you want to talk about me and mock my identity in Christ and say that I'm wrong or say that I'm a bigot or say that I'm small-minded or whatever you are, some kind of religious freak. But if not, even if God doesn't choose to defend me because I won't defend myself, I'm still not going to blindly accept what's popular just because it's within culture. I just draw a line in the sand and say, nope, I'm going to worship Jesus. Nope, I'm going to speak the truth of the word. 1 Corinthians 10 and 14 says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Anything that demands your attention and your worship instead of Jesus, nope. (laughs) Nope. Flee from idolatry. And we know that, you know, God did end up delivering them. We know that. Praise God that he did. But even if they didn't. I would have continued on. Go on, stand up today.